Welcome to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Uh, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of worship. Uh, we thank you for being such a big and mighty God uh, that we can come before you humbly, uh, that we can be in your presence, that we can lean on you uh, when times are good, that we can lean on you when times are hard. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for this space uh, that we're able to gather as the people of God. Uh, we know that the church is not uh, the building that is behind me, but the church is the people as they gather to worship. So as we gather as the church this morning, we pray that you would bless this time, that you would be with uh, each and every one of us here, and that you wouldn't just have us hear worship music from instruments and, and from our lips, uh, but you would have that speak into our hearts, and that your Holy Spirit uh, would use this time uh, to speak to us deeply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Galatians 5, verses 13 through 14, and then 16 through 17, and then 22 through 25. It says this, You, brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Remember, you got to yell it out. Uh, so this morning, and actually this whole summer, we're preaching through a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And it's important to keep in mind that the fruit of the Spirit is not this to-do list put upon your Christian life. It's not the standard to measure yourself against and to say, am I a good Christian or am I not? And if you can accomplish all these things, then you can somehow be some kind of Christian superhero. Uh, that's not the point of the fruit of the Spirit. The point of the fruit of the Spirit is to look inside and to know that deep inside of you, uh, the Holy Spirit dwells. And as he is inside of you um, and, and living out through you, it will look a certain way as you interact with people around the world. Uh, and it will look like these fruits. It will look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But remember, this isn't some, some litmus test to measure yourself against. This is a way to say, if I am in Christ and Christ is in me, this is how I interact with the world. This is how the world sees me, and by seeing me in this way, they see little glimpses of what Jesus is like. Amen? Amen. Amen. That was so good. Oh, you're all getting really good at that. I'm not even going to have to say anything next week. You're just going to be able to do it. 
so this week we're going to talk about joy, the, the second uh, of the fruit that's listed there. And, and I was reflecting on joy, and I was thinking, you know, in our, in our culture, in our time, what is one of the most joyous times? And I couldn't help but think of Christmas morning. So I want you to think, uh, maybe to your own childhood, maybe sometime more recent, uh, think of that Christmas morning experience. I know it's hot out. I know it seems weird right now. But think of that Christmas morning experience, the waking up uh, in excitement, just, just that bubbling inside. Uh, you can smell peppermint and cinnamon, and, and you can smell the Christmas tree, and you can smell uh, maybe food being prepared. Gifts are under the tree, and, and there's just so much excitement. There's just so much joy uh, in the air. And I, I think as a parent, one of the only things that might be more exciting more joyful than Christmas morning as a child is Christmas morning as a parent, when you get to witness uh, how joyful your kids are uh, on Christmas morning. Little ones, you know, still in their pajamas, uh, just bubbling uh, with nervous energy, bouncing around the house. Uh, it's a truly a special time, and it's truly a, a time full of joy. Uh, so as we enter in uh, again to this, this sermon on joy, uh, that's the kind of feeling that we're talking about inside. So we all know uh, this experience. Uh, you might uh, know the experience that comes up when you see maybe a brand new puppy uh, that's either new to your family or new to a family that's close to you. You get to see the excitement of the puppy and there's, there's just kind of this natural energy that flows through you. Uh, Maybe, maybe you've witnessed a baby laugh for the first time. Uh, what a special moment and what a moment of joy uh, that it brings through you. So it's not surprising that if we look at English and, and as we look at other languages, that most languages have a lot of words uh, for, this, for this feeling inside, this feeling of a pleasant attitude, this, this joyous time. So we have, we have happy, uh, we have joyful, we have cheerful, we have glad. Uh, the list could just keep going. So we're all familiar of this, this experience, uh, but what does it mean in Scripture that we are to be living a life of joy? Um, another thing that we're all familiar with, if we can be honest, is that life is not easy. That there's pain and that there's hurt in the world. On page one uh, of the Bible, we're, we're shown um, this idea of God having joy and his creation, and, and in nature is this thing that brings joy. Actually, in Psalm 65, uh, it, the Bible describes the joy of what it is to see a field uh, that is full of harvest, and, and a field that is full uh, of livestock. It talks about sheep covering the, the countryside, and the joy that is in the farmer's heart. Jeremiah 33, verse 11, talks about the joy at a wedding celebration. Uh, Proverbs 23 talks about the joy that people feel uh, in their own children. But human history is not some joy fest. Uh, if, if we're honest and we look inside and we reflect on our world, it's not this endless experience of joy uh, and happiness. We live in a corrupted world. A world that has been corrupted by sin and the results of sin are all around us. We don't have to look very far before we see selfishness. Sometimes we only have to look as far as the mirror, right? 
We don't have to look very far in our world before we experience loss and death. So this is actually where the Bible gets a little bit unique. So when we think about joy in, in the English language, we think about kind of that Christmas morning experience. But then we are called to live a life of joy. And does that mean that we are called to live a life where everything is happy all the time? Or is this talking about something else? See, joy in the Bible isn't about a reaction to positive life circumstances. Uh, I have this highlighted on my notes, and I have it in bold. So, so this is a sentence to pay attention to, all right? That, that's your sign that you should pay attention to the sentence. So the sentence says, Joy in the Bible is an attitude of God's people that they adopt, not because of the happy circumstances of life, but because of their hope in God's love and God's promises. Amen? Amen. Joy in the Bible is an attitude that God's people adopt, not because of their happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and in God's promises. Amen. Amen. It's more than just uh, this feeling. It's more than just uh, this experience that comes from the external and comes to you. It's something that happens inside of you that says, no matter what is going on in the external world, I will experience joy. Now that sounds really nice, but it also sounds impossible. It sounds really nice to say, no matter what's going on in the chaotic world around me, I will experience it as joy. I will sit in joy. But it is only impossible in our own strength. And that's why it's a fruit of the Spirit. Because once we have the Holy Spirit in us and working through us, we can do things that seem impossible to the world. We're told in Scripture that the gospel looks like foolishness to the world. And this is one of those examples. That this looks like a foolish command to say, no matter what the world is doing, have joy. But this is where if God is acting in us, we're able to live as a new creation in this world. I just love this story in uh, the book of Exodus. So, so the people of God, the Israelites, they're, they're in slavery in Egypt. And, and God sends Moses to free them, and, and he does. And long story short, eventually they end up in the wilderness. And, and the armies of Pharaoh have been defeated, but the promised land is still far away. So they're in this in-between space. And we're told that the people of God sang praises of joy to their God. Joy in the wilderness. It actually becomes a theme through the rest of Scripture. The prophets often look back to this, and they reflect back on what it means to have joy in the wilderness. Jesus reflects back on this in his own teachings and talks about joy in the wilderness of life. See, the wilderness in the Bible, it's, it's not just rural, it's not just far off, uh, it's actually dangerous. It's a dangerous place for them. Um, there's often uh, bandits that, that patrol the wilderness trying to take advantage of the vulnerable. Um, there's, there's terrain that makes it dangerous. There's weather that makes it dangerous. Normally, the, the reason it's wilderness in the biblical world is because it's not good farming. And it's not good farming because it's so hot and it's so dry and it's so dangerous to human life. And it's as they find themselves in that place 
The slavery is behind them, but the promised land is still far away, that they are able to sing out in joy. So this is the theme that Paul, uh, the writer of, of our text today, is reflecting back on. What does it look like to live in our world, live in a broken world, in a fallen world, in a world that is full of pain, but still to live a life of joy? Not so that, that you can just have pleasant feelings, but so that people around you can see your life of joy. And as they see your life of joy, they're reminded of who God is. They're reminded of who God is in our world. Again, thinking back to Christmas, when Jesus was born, he was ushered in with shouts of good news that brings great joy. We say it all the time around Christmas, good news that brings great joy. Jesus entered a hurting and broken world. Jesus enters into the wilderness of our own lives and he brings good news of great joy. Philippians 4, 4 through 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now here's a little uh, Bible study lesson for you all. They don't need to repeat things because you're writing it. I, like if, if I'm saying things to you, I often repeat things so that, that it can drive home the point. When you're writing a text, when you're writing a letter, if you repeat things, it means that you really mean it. If you write a letter um, to, to your, let's just say to your mom, and, and you write it, and you say, Mom, I love you, comma, I love you so much. The only reason you wrote that is because you want her to know how much you love her. That just saying it once isn't nearly enough, right? So in this text, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Then there's a period. And then he says, again, I will say, rejoice. It's not enough to just say it once. Because it doesn't sink in if we hear it once. It's like saying, have joy in the midst of life's uh, sometimes difficult circumstances. Oh, that's wonderful. But that's also impossible. So we need to say it again. No, we mean it. Have joy. And it's the same thing here. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say it, rejoice. And then we ask the question, why? Why should I? How is that even possible? And the text goes on. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. You see, if our God is far away from us, if our God is far removed from us, and we don't feel his presence, we don't feel his Holy Spirit with us, then why would we have joy? Then why would we rejoice, especially in the world that we live in? Especially as we look around and, and, and everything is so different than it used to be, and everything's difficult, and, and all you have to do is go through uh, one loss, and it can be crippling, and many of us have been through many losses uh, in our lives. So why would we have rejoice? It's the same answer, because the Lord is near. It's that same idea from Christmas that, that Jesus left his place in heaven. He could have stayed there. He left the ultimate heavenly throne, and he drew near to you. 
to live life alongside of it. Do you ever think about that? I mean, we think about it the other side, that Jesus is walking around the earth and then he, then he ascends to heaven, right? But, but we're told that Jesus has been around forever. He's been around the beginning of creation. So he left that place to come near to you so that you could have the experience of that relationship. Not just so that other people could, not just the people that, that you might think are worthy of it or you think are better than you. Um, he did it so that you could draw near to him. This is truly what the good news of the gospel is. It's that we can have joy. We can have this, this kind of a, an emotional state uh, within us that we can just praise God for who he is. And, and I think about, I have, uh, again, I have small kids. And if you've ever seen kids play at the beach, how many people have seen kids play at the beach? Most of you, right? They get destroyed by the waves. Let's be honest. They can't hold their ground worth anything. These kids are weak. They, they walk up to the waves, especially if it's a windy day. They walk up. They just get rocked. They just get knocked over. They get knocked down to the ground. They get back up. After like three or four times, they're like, let's go home, Mom. You're like, gosh, we packed the whole bag. We went all the way here. Now we got to go home because the kid's crying because he got, I don't know, sand burn on his back. Um. Uh, as we mature in our faith and as we grow in our faith and as we start to show these kind of fruits of the Spirit, we're able to push back against the waves of life. The ocean has waves. There's nothing we can do about it. If you go to the ocean, you're going to have, there's going to be waves there, right? The only thing you can do is learn how to hold your ground. And how we hold our ground as Christians with the waves of life is by showing the world the Holy Spirit working through us. Amen? So as the waves come, we need to grow in our own faith. If we stay uh, immature in our faith, then we stay little. Like the children who just get knocked right over. And we've all seen it. All of you raised your hands. We've all seen them get plowed over. But as an adult, we can go out. And if the waves uh, are big enough, maybe we need other people to be alongside of us. But we, we can hold our ground in faith. We can hold our ground in who God is. So if we're getting rocked all over by the storms of life, whether inside or outside, if we're just getting knocked all over, that might be a sign that, that we need to invite the Holy Spirit to be more active inside of our lives. That we need to invite the Holy Spirit uh, back in. We have this amazing ability that has been given us to be joyful, regardless of life's circumstances. You know, this isn't a call, and I think this is important to say, this isn't a call to be happy all the time. Paul was not happy all the time. He, he wrote this to be joyful, but, but he also, in 2 Corinthians 6.10, describes himself as full of sorrow, but yet rejoicing. I find that encouraging, because I think, I think a blanket sermon that says, just be happy no matter what's going on, feels really weak. It feels really kind of, like, kind of pathetic. Like you're just, yeah, just be happy. Just deal with it. Uh, this is not to dismiss pain. Again, Paul describes himself as full of sorrow, but yet rejoicing in who God is. And, and I think uh, so much of our Christian life is lived in that, those two words, but yet. 
You know, we can have all of life's circumstances happen, and we can let that control us, or we can live in that but yet space that says we can be full of sorrow, but yet rejoicing, but yet having joy, but yet having peace, but yet having all of these fruits of the Spirit. So Christian joy, it comes from trusting who Jesus is. What he has done, it's not this trite, uh, kind of turn that frown upside down uh, kind of Christianity. That used to drive me nuts when my mom would say that. Uh, I was kind of a, I, don't know, I was going to say pessimistic kid, but I, was, I wasn't a joyful kid all the time. Uh, and my mom would, every once in a while, you know, turn that frown upside down. You know, life is good, you know, kind of environment. And she meant well. But, but when life is hard, it's not this simple turn that frown upside down. It's this simple lean into who God is. Lean in to who Christ is in your life. Jesus says in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. There you go. He guarantees it. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. People of God, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has overcome this world. With all of its hurt, with all of its pain and sorrow, and know this, in trusting him, his power, his might, and his ability, you can have joy right in the wilderness of life. Amen.